It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I have my first workout today at home. And I did a full body workout, I did some push-ups. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 682 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of Raptors.com for the month of March. Please go check out the stuff over there. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find me, uh, find the show on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors. You can find every single episode linked right there for you for your easy listening convenience if you are not already subscribed, which you should be subscribed to not only Locked On Raptors, but all of the other Locked On Podcast Network, network offerings. Lots of businesses are being shuttered, uh, although apparently not bars because uh, the Ontario government is bad, but... Uh, there, there are lots of businesses that are going out of business or quieting down their work for a little while. That is not the case for the Locked On Raptors or Locked On Podcast Network. We are going daily all across the network. Got lots of fun, cool stuff cooking up for you. And uh, we'll get a chance to sort of flex our creative muscles a little bit. It's definitely, definitely a trying time, but uh, kind of a time for opportunity as well. So I uh, hope you're checking out all the Locked On Network stuff. Please subscribe to, rate, and review any shows that you want to support. It would be very much appreciated right now. And hopefully we can get some advertisers while all the businesses are uh, losing all their money. That'd be great. Uh, all right, on today's show, while these times are uncertain, we want to make sure we afford a little bit of uh, comfort and certainty in the lives of the listeners. And so we are continuing a grand tradition on Mondays of having our pal Vivek Jacob on for Big V Mondays. What is up, dude? A uh, whole lot of nothing. Uh, just trying to figure out what to do content-wise, binging some shows, and trying to make sure my supplies last for as long as this may need. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the challenge. Huh? What's your quarantine setup like right now? Um, in terms of food I stocked up on, luckily uh, the meat shop that I usually go to had plenty of meat for me to get. Uh, I guess I, I didn't go too late, so I'm taken care of in that regard. Got some veggies. Um, I'm big on Cliff Bars, so I got a bunch of those. I got some chips and some party mixes. Hell yeah. 
and that's about it. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think I have enough to make it through two-ish weeks. Yeah, and 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 then things might start to get dire, and I hope I can go out and get some more supplies. Cliff uh, bars are. Yeah, I definitely need to go get more alcohol. Yeah, that was a big thing. Uh, we went to the, the just the grocery store has the, has the beers, which is great. Uh, we have not ventured to the LCBO to get the liquor, but I'm also not much of a hard liquor drinker yet. <laughs> we'll see what the quarantine does to me, but I think I'm doing okay. We're all doing fine. Uh, it sounds like you have the bare essentials. That's great. Um, uh, it's uh, the Cliff Bars. Those might become like currency very soon. That seems like on the sort of tier of Lysol wipes <laughs> in terms of things that uh, you might be able to. Uh, if you were a terrible, awful person, you might be selling for extra money online. Um, don't do that. People don't be assholes. Also, the grocery stores are probably going to be fine. So don't be, uh, don't be nightmare hoarders out there. Uh, anyway, we're going to get into some stuff on today's show that is tied to the last episode of the podcast, which if you tuned it on uh, Friday, it was me doing an audiobook version of We the Champs, the five chapters covering the Orlando Magic series. And I figured we should talk about the series as opposed to just me reading off stuff as well, offer some analysis and thought. And so that's what Big V's here to do today. We're going to talk about the Magic series probably in enough depth that we can turn it into a two-part podcast, which would be great uh, because content is also currency right now. Um, so the Orlando Magic series, of course, a five-game series win for the Raptors. Looking back at it, pretty much the only chill series the Raptors played at any point last season. Uh, every other series was wrought with tension and drama and injury and a whole bunch of other stuff that was going on. So the Magic series, in in hindsight, is just a nice reprieve if you're trying to like chill and just like go back and look at a time when things were simpler. You'd Send out a, a tweet just before coming on here, a, a picture of Nick Nurse, who looks like 10 years younger than he does this season, uh, there when the Raptors are trailing by 16 in Game 1. And man, what a simpler time it was. Man, did we not know what the hell we were in for when this series was going on. Going back and thinking about this series, Vivek, I'm not sure if you watch back all the games. I have not done that, but I've done enough highlight watching in my perusal of sound for for, for Friday's podcast that I think I got a pretty good grip on what went down in that series. Um, do you have anything that you kind of like forgot that stands out? We'll go through game by game, but uh, do you have any overarching thoughts or anything like that about the series before we dive into the meat of it? Um, no, nothing crazy that happened that I forgot. Uh, I went back and watched the highlights, and I guess the one thing that is, was a good reminder was the way Kyle came out in that game five, and it was very, you know, NBA Finals game six-ish, and kind of a nice prelude to that, and yeah, he came out all gangbusters and sort of threw the knockout punch in the first quarter of that game, and uh, that was pretty incredible considering where he was in game one, mm. and <laughs> Yeah, that, that, I think that's the thing. You look at you know, not just that image of Nick Nurse at fifty-seven forty-one uh, magic, but uh, Kyle Lowry in that game. Because let's face it, you know we 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 we've talked a lot about this twenty nineteen twenty season being so much fun and just being completely stress free. And game one of last year's playoffs kind of sort of. Put put you know put put it all in a nutshell because you're coming into that game. It's like okay, we're finally at the playoffs where everything is going to be measured. This is what the season is about. This is why you traded Demar Derozan. This is why uh, you went all in. And for him to come out with zero points, all the fears sort of just came back. Right? It's like oh my god, are we really going to do this again? <laughs> 
Yeah, I I was so, and I had been for like many years beating the Kyle's not actually bad in the playoffs type of thing, right? Because it was never really, after that Wizards series, it never really was a, a criticism that applied. I guess there was some time against the Pacers and the Heat, including the dramatic post-game one shooting session after the Heat game, where I think the only three he made was the half-quarter, three-quarter court heave, um, where he shot mm-hmm. for an hour after the game and all that, and that sort of tied into the whole narrative of him not being good in the playoffs, but... The previous couple years going into last year, he had been just fine, and I thought with the way they were using him, I, I expected there to be no reason why he wouldn't be awesome in the series, and for him to come out and get zero points, it just made the the usual very easy defense so hard to make. <laughs> I remember just feeling like, God damn it, Kyle, yeah. why does it have to be so difficult all the time to get people to see what people are seeing? And it's funny now, because you know a year out now, or almost from the finals, you know I think the entire NBA world has kind of gotten wise to what Kyle Lowry's about, and that's really nice. It's been one of the very best parts of this season is people figuring out exactly what Kyle Lowry is and what what makes him good. But before the title run, there was game one against the Magic, and all of the same crap came back. Do you remember yourself being worried after game one at all? I I mean, I'm pretty sure I wrote like my seventh consecutive it's fine after losing a game one piece (laughs) for for Raptors HQ back then. Um, But I don't know, did you have any sort of worries about the team not coming together quickly enough, about their ability to actually even like beat the magic? Like what was your sort of state of mind after that game one? No, I I wasn't worried at all about them um, losing the series to the magic. I just, you know... You, in terms of the things you start to project, it's like, man, you know, are are these guys that have experienced all those playoff losses before? Do they still sort of have that mental burden? Because if you look specifically at that game one, the guys who really played well were Kawhi, Danny, uh, Pascal, and so you're thinking, you know, is it the other guys who are going to hold you back? Um, in terms of reaching that ultimate ceiling of winning a championship, right? Um, you know, now that I go back, one thing I do remember now is after that game one, William Liu and I had to go back to the Yahoo studios to record a post game show. (laughs) And that was the longest, um, walk slash TTC ride that I've ever (laughs) experienced in my life. Because for those 20 ish minutes, all Will said was the man scored zero points. Really? Zero points? Zero <laughs> fucking points? I'm not asking for like and that, that was and that's all I heard. That's all I heard. And then the post game show started and then that's all he said again. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah the frustration um now definitely comes back to mind with with all that happening in that game. But yeah, in, in terms of the confidence going down the line, uh, you know, I, I was kind of like, Hey, if, if, if it's really going to take, uh, you know, a game winner from DJ Augustine with Kyle scoring zero points, then I feel pretty good about the rest of the series going down the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to continue talking about this. We'll get into DJ Augustine and all that fun stuff in just a second. But first I want to tell everybody about Postmates. Hey man, there's a there's, it's smart right now to be inside. You should be staying indoors. And while you're indoors, if you feel like you need something instead of going out in the world and endangering someone, why not have someone bring that to you? 
If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant you can think of right to your door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They also make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. I'm currently, Vivek, thinking about uh, getting a Nintendo Switch, but I'm scared to go to the store, and I'm also weighing the cost and all that stuff, but I feel like I'm going to not regret it once I eventually buy it. Maybe I'll just fire up Postmates to have them bring it to me. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download this app and use code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for 100 smackers off a free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. That's like a quarter of a switch. Anyway, Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it right now. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, uh, Vivek, let's continue talking about the Orlando Magic series. So DJ Augustine hits that game-winning three at the end of the game. In like looking back at it, something that's hilarious considering – the defensive monster the Raptors became and sort of the two guys who were the linchpin of that in Marcus Saul and Kawhi Leonard, uh, especially when you got around to say the Buck series when Kawhi guarded Giannis so admirably and Gasol did all of his wonderful order barking from the back and sort of the, the, the versatility of the defense and everything like that all stemmed from Gasol's IQ as well. That play was, I'm, I'm honestly... I, I think I'm finding this a lot when I go through the Raptors playoff run and think of the things that didn't go well. I'm kind of glad a lot of them went, didn't go well because it sort of added to the story and made it more compelling. I think it's actually cool as hell that DJ Augustine won the first game of the series on that three, beating and flummoxing two de- de- former defensive players of the year. I think it rules. It kicks so much ass. Absolutely. And I think the big thing for me is it's just a reminder of how incredible it is that the Raptors came together, uh, you know, post the Gasol trade in like 20 something games to win a championship. Like the odds of that happening are just low and it speaks to the IQ of the team. And so the mistakes, the failure had along the way for them to learn from those things so quickly and sort of be like, Oh, okay. They miscommunicated on the screen on DJ Augustine's pull up. That's never happening again or whatever comes down the line. You know, they've learned from it so rapidly. Um, and so for them to go on to win the championship uh, and put it all together, I think I think that's the one, th- one thing 
if you sort of look at it as a what if, man, like if that team had a training camp and preseason and all that, uh, man, they would have they would have been stomping the league. Yeah, it kind of makes you realize, and I found this watching some of the games that they've been re-airing on TSN and Sportsnet over the weekend as well. Um, like, what an insanely perfectly built basketball team. Just top-down, just <laughs> absurd, and think of the steps they would have made this season. Look, I-, I wouldn't trade this season for the world. I think it's been amazing. You can actually read about it at Raptors.com right now. I wrote about it today, just how wonderful this season was on so many levels. But man, it's hard not to get away with the thinking of like, holy God, they would have been an absolute steamroller. Like the same way the Bucks are uh, were on track to win 70 games before the stoppage, like the Raptors would have been, I think, kind of in that same conversation. And maybe not because of the load management and stuff like that, and they would have been careful with Kawhi. But at the same time, I mean, <laughs> like they, they, they were just so well built to withstand those nights where Kawhi took off as well. And when he was in there, they were just like an absolute monster of a defensive team more than anything else. And I just, it's hard not to think about the degree to which they would have been extreme favorites to win the title again. And a bit of a bummer to think about that. But we're not thinking bummers now. We're thinking happy times. Uh, And the happy times came about (laughs) in game two of the series when the Raptors beat the Magic 111-82, kind of restored order a little bit, uh, made it seem pretty academic that the Raptors were going to pull out the series whether you thought they were going to pull it out in five or six I think I picked them to win it in five after game one ended um but game two really sort of I think enforced just how much better the Raptors were and just how much better Kawhi was than anyone else on the floor Kawhi in this game 33 minutes 15 of 22 from the field four of eight from downtown perfect three of three from the line 37 four and four with two steals and a plus 37 (laughs) like just insane stuff from Kawhi uh did you have uh, recollection of the, of this Kawhi game. I, there's so many insane Kawhi games over the course of the playoffs that we'll get to as we talk about these games. But I mean, this was the first like wow moment for sure for him. Even though he was pretty good in game one, I mean, it was just nuts what he did in game two. Yeah, I think I think the big thing that everyone remembers from this is when he heads to the bench, gets that standing ovation, and as he sits, the the camera pans to Masai. Yeah. Uh, and. And yeah, that, he was incredible in this game. He started out really well in game one um, and finished with us all again. But this was just, you know, just right out of the gate. Just, yeah, we're not going down 0-2. There's absolutely no doubt. I think the Raptors came out uh, and started out the game on an 11-0 run. Just sort of set the tone right there. And that's what superstars do. That's what the best players in the game do. Uh and that's the type of leader he was in his time in Toronto, right? Not the most vocal guy, um, but every time the team sort of needed someone to sort of grasp at the rope and just make make sure uh, they could hold steady, he was the one to do it. And yeah, he's he's just ridiculous, man. Very good basketball player, as it turns out. Uh, game three, this was a fun one that I kind of forgot was so tense. Uh, the Raptors win at 98-93 in Orlando. It's the first Orlando home playoff game for like eight years or something like that. And, you know, you had like Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill and Horace Grant and a bunch of legends in the house. Jameer Nelson was there. And it was a pretty cool atmosphere, I got to say. I didn't really think much of the Orlando crowd uh, going into the series, but they did a good job of getting jacked up for that game in particular. 
And this was the Pascal game. This was his real coming out party. Kawhi was sick going into this one, if you remember. Uh, finished 5 of 19 from the field, 16 points, 10 boards, 4 assists. Uh, this was Pascal, who just was incredible. He had 30 points, he had 11 boards, 4 assists. Uh, I think this is also a game where, uh, I mean, all of the games except for one, I believe, were games in which uh, this was the one game where Nikola Vucevic played well in the entire series. He had 22, 14, and 6 against Marcus Gasol after getting shut down uh, very meanly by Gasol the rest of the series. Um this was a, a great Pascal game, kind of overcame the challenge of the Jonathan Isaac defensive assignment. Although, looking back through the numbers, Isaac did not do nearly as good a job on Siakam as I expected he did, just sort of thinking about the, the conversation that was going on at the time. Siakam kind of had his way. Uh, do you remember this Siakam performance very much? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think just the theme of Siakam in, in the playoffs was just that ridiculous level of efficiency. Um, and if Kyle, if Kyle closing out game five was sort of a prelude to what we saw in game six, um, this, this game he had was probably like a prelude to what he did in game one against the Warriors, right? Yeah. Like just super efficient, getting to all his spots, um, the spin move on point. Um, and I think the big thing people associate with Jonathan Isaac is the way he's able to just stick with Siakam all the way and make it difficult to finish over with the length. Uh, but it just didn't seem to bother him in this game. I'm surprised you haven't said a word about Terrence Ross uh, because he was pretty good. Um, oh, don't worry. That's but... coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Siakam. Uh, and the, the other thing, too, is like when when he makes the three ball, it just takes his game to another level. So in, the, in this game, you know, he knocks down three or four. Uh, so, yeah, overall... Uh, I think it was cool to see him sort of step up in in the way he did because of Kawhi's sickness. Um, really got out on the glass too, and so yeah, I think this was sort of when you're like, yeah, we, this is a legit sort of Batman Robin thing that can go into the postseason and get it done as well. Yeah, totally. He had a really big bucket in crunch time of this game, which became really really fun, especially for me because Terrence Ross kind of went off. I think he hit. Eight points in the last like two minutes of the game, a couple threes, finished with 24 points on eight of 17. And it, it got very hairy when it didn't really seem like it should have gotten to that point in this game. The Raptors kind of led by, it was one of those games where you lead by like 10 the whole game, right? And then the Magic won the fourth quarter 28 22, got it to within five points, and we're within three when uh, the Raptors had their signature play of the game, and Kyle Lowry had his first signature moment of the playoffs where he had that insane offensive rebound. You heard the clip of it in Friday's podcast, just like the true excitement. I think it was Ryan Rocco who doing the uh, the play-by-play, just getting super jazzed about Kyle Lowry getting that rebound. Um, that was That play was so cool, man. Seeing him have that moment, and, and like... This was a perfect encapsulation of what he had done all season in this game. He had 12 points, 10 assists, 5 boards. He was a plus 8. I think he took 3 charges in this game as well or something like that. And the, the just the, the rebound he grabbed, Marcus Gasol was so effusive in his praise of it after the game. It was uh, just one of those Lowry plays that you hope the national like fan base was watching to see that shit because that's exactly why Kyle Lowry is amazing. Yeah, and... You think about that play. Uh, I remember Kevin Arnovitz wrote that great piece about Kyle, and 
the open was sort of an entire description of all the things that are happening um, before he sort of gets in there and gets the board ahead of DJ Augustine. Uh, and it speaks to all the things that goes through uh, Kyle's brain when he's trying to help his team win any way uh, he can. And it goes back to the thing Zach Lowe said about uh, the All-Star game where you've got Kyle in there and coaches don't have to waste any amount of time thinking about what Kyle Lowry's going to do on the court, right? They don't have to worry about any kind of mistake. And on top of that, they have full confidence that he's going to make these type of plays, these little little things that make a difference, that are going to impact winning, um, that are going to help you steal, steal a game. A game. And Raptors stole this game by any means, but it just sealed off uh, a really solid road win. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the death knell of the series for Orlando. Like, had they pulled that game out, maybe things get interesting. You have home court very soundly in your advantage. But, uh, yeah, it it just, they did not have it. And then you go to the next game, which is game four. And Kawhi just ends their world, basically. He had 34 points. He had uh, 12 of 20 from the field, six boards, two assists, two steals, two blocks. He was a plus 20. Kyle was absolutely peak Kyle in this game. Nine points, four boards, nine assists, four steals, and a plus 26. You had Powell coming off the bench with a 7 of 9, playing as though it was the Milwaukee Bucks across from him and not the Orlando Magic. Uh, a really nice game from uh, from the Raptors in this one to win 107-85. Kind of the most, I would posit this is maybe the least memorable game of the entire playoff run. I don't really remember it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I remember correctly, this was uh, right before Easter, maybe. And I, I remember this because usually I was supposed to sort of do stuff for Yahoo, but because of Easter... Like, we didn't have a full crew to do the post-game show and all those kinds of things. Hmm. So this was, I think, the only game of the postseason that I was actually able to watch with my friends. Ah. Um, and so I guess that's why I remember it. Um, so that was, like, fun in the sense that we all got to sort of have that Kawhi experience together. It was the only one that I got with him. So that was cool where he's just sort of going off uh, in the third, sort of just, you know, picking them apart in the pick and roll and getting to the rack, taking his mid-range uh, shots. Uh, everything was clicking, and like it, like it usually is for Kawhi in the postseason. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, I, so I think that's the memory that I have of this game. I think this is the one where you just uh, – where it was the only game that I really got to watch with my friends. Yeah, congrats on having friends. Humble brag much. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> we, we go into game five then where the Raptors clinch the series. Uh, they win this game by a lot. It's one fifteen ninety six, and they were up 30 or so going into the fourth quarter. Uh, and this was the game where Kyle Lowry, like you said, alluded to before, he really sort of set the stage for what was to come. 
with his wonderful first quarter in this game. He had 12 points in the first. I think he scored the first nine points for the Raptors. Uh, he was a plus 31 in this game, 14 points, not, uh, four boards, nine assists, six of 10 from the field, two of four from deep. Did most of his damage in that first quarter and then just kind of took over as the playmaker as Kawhi went 8 of 11 for 27 points <laughs> and Pascal had 24 points with 6 and 4 and 8 of 16. Uh, just like a super, super efficient game from the starters in this one. All of them at least plus 22, just completely wiped the floor. Uh, and it was the bench guys who struggled most in this one. All the the garbage time guys who came in to close the series. Uh, Jeremy Lin, Malcolm Miller, Eric Moreland all played five and a half minutes or so. We're all a minus 16 in this game. <laughs> so the Raptors won by a lot. There was a lot of garbage time in this one. And Kawhi, I remember, checked out with like eight minutes left. That was something I remember as being like, wow, the Raptors are just like coasting to a playoff series win. This is new and weird, and I don't really know what to do with it because this has never happened ever before watching this team, and it just it's never been that easy. The Raptors, you know, they didn't make it as easy as they could have because they lost game one when they probably should have won it, but it really was just like really refreshing to see a, a series win be so easy because I, I can't think of another one in history outside of maybe that Wizards one where they won in six where it felt like it was just a foregone conclusion that the Raptors would win and there was no road bump or obstacle or anything like that to sort of keep them from doing it. Yeah, and I think that's a big point you make because if the the other thing you think about when you go back to game one is like, oh man, they're going to make it unnecessarily difficult on themselves uh, against the Orlando Magic, which means... Uh, their bodies are going to have to deal with that much more before the Philly series, not really get a break. And so for them to reel off the four straight uh, to cl- close out the series in emphatic fashion, I think it established that necessary confidence, not just with the players, but uh, I mean, the players are probably confident regardless, but uh, with the fan base that, okay, we lost game one, but we still did it the easy way. It was a gentleman sweep. And uh, now you go into the Philly series and you're saying, okay, yeah, everyone should be ready. Uh, you know, everyone seems like they're clicking. I got the early jitters out the way. Uh, let's get it rolling now. And so I think, I think that, that was definitely big in terms of just closing out the series the way. They- yeah, for sure. Also another underrated part of this series in the early going, right? When they lose that first game, that was the day after we learned that OG Ananobi was going to be out for at least a couple months with the appendectomy he had. Uh, we didn't know right. the extent of it. We were sort of, you know, wish casting, oh, maybe he can come back halfway through the second round and the third round. Obviously never came back, but it really did feel for like a couple days there, like shit was melting down. And I know there were some people out there who like picked the, the magic to win the series. I think like Dennis Scott, maybe, or something like that. Uh, probably someone who didn't have the Raptors in a, in a playoff spot coming into this season, most likely. Um, like it, it, that was sort of peak discourse. I think after OG goes down, they lose that first game. And it was really, really comforting to see them just like, Oh no, we're, we're, we're we got this. We're fine. We're going to win this game. It's very easy. And the series did really sort of bring to light, Oh yeah, having Kawhi, that, that's why LeBron's teams did all that mean stuff to inferior teams for so many years, because he was just so much better than everybody else. And having that guy on your team was uh, a very new sensation. <laughs> it's uh, hard to really get a grip of, I think, and I don't know if any of us ever did, uh, even going into the conference finals and the finals. I mean, it was just such a luxury that we've never seen before. It, it kicked a whole lot of ass. Um 
did you? Uh, I had another thing I wanted to say about the. the oh no, Kyle Lowry. So Kyle in this series didn't average a ton of points or anything like that. But Nick Nurse did say after the series, after Game Five, that it was some of the best he's ever seen Kyle Lowry play. Do you remember this series as a Kyle series outside of that rebound? Because I don't. But it was going back and reading uh, and seeing that quote from Nurse. It was kind of a you know eye eye popping because man, it got so much better for Kyle from here too. Um, you know, he definitely had nice moments, but I think a little bit of Nurse's comments there are more just, you know, managing, uh, uh, Kyle and sort of having his back and saying, Hey, I really need this guy down the line. I need him at his best. Uh, and so, yeah, he threw, he threw him that, uh, that very kind compliment, but I don't think Kyle would say it was one of his best series by any means, but uh, yeah, he was he was effective in the way that, that you would expect him to be effective. Um, and once the shot came along after game one, uh, you know that that was probably the guy that uh, Nurse was like, "Yeah, <laughs> we need this guy going down the stretch here." Yeah, for sure. It, it was I don't know, like it kind of highlighted exactly why Kyle was successful last year within the construct of this team, right? Because he didn't have to score the 27 points a game. And, you know, if these playoffs for this season ever happen, we might have to see that. And, you know, we'll see how that works out. But um, it was really nice to see Kyle just be able to sort of do his in-between-the-box score type of thing as opposed to having to do that in addition to scoring a ton of points and being efficient. Uh, nice and refreshing thing. And having, right. like, we talk about Kawhi a lot, but I think the underrated aspect of that entire team was the fact that Siakam had become such a reliable number two. And, like, really exploited any time there was extra attention paid to Kawhi. And, you know, obviously Siakam's become something even more this season. But, like, for him to, in this Magic series, where it was pretty difficult early on for him, I think, kind of getting used to Isaac, but then really sort of figuring it out and not having much in the way of resistance, it was was massive, man. It, It totally changed the complexion of the team because you could not simply just throw a bunch of guys at Kawhi. I mean, there were shooters everywhere. I mean, you notice in this series that they leave Pascal 100% wide open every time out. Uh, they were not worried about Pascal in the corner. And seeing him just, like, line up for corner threes after seeing what he's done this season with, like, the pull-ups and above-the-break stuff is wild. Um, and seeing him just, like, left wide open to his devices to go 3 of 5 in Game 5 and, you know, be pretty efficient from downtown overall was uh, kind of jarring and speaks to, I think, how far he's come in just a year. So... Pretty cool stuff. Any, uh, I, I thought we might go longer on this series, but really, it's not. It's so relaxed and chill. We could probably do like three episodes on Game Seven against the Sixers alone. This one's pretty, pretty relaxed. Do you have any final thoughts, parting shots on the Raptors' gags first round series over the Magic last year? Um. Well, I remember talking to Evan Fournier at the start of this season uh, in that first matchup and asking him, you know. Uh, was there at least some solace in sort of going up against a team that won the championship and sort of identifying that, hey, this is sort of the level we need to get to kind of thing? And he was like, not really, because after that game one, they pretty much kicked our ass. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. And he was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, we we saw the level, but he was like, and, you know, he he talked about, uh, sort of realizing just how far off their offense was from where it needed to be. Um, and I guess, you know, a lot of that goes to the fact that 
the Raptors, once they clamp down on you, it's going to be extremely difficult. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, you know, Evan Fournier had some interesting comments. That, that's the one I remember where you're just like, no, they, they kind of just whooped us. So it wasn't like we thought, oh, we, we you know, we can be at a championship level. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that, that'll be my final parting shot. Besides that, um, I am going to do something for Complex this week, uh, get in touch with uh, some Toronto sports fans and see how they're coping uh, without sports and how they're occupying their time. So you can look out for that. And besides that, you can follow me for uh, my very rare tweets now, uh, <laughs> at Vivek M. Jacob. Right on, man. Uh, my last parting shot on the series, uh, it's kind of wild how in the course of five games, Marcus Saul, I think, maybe eliminated Nikola Vucevic from ever making an all-star game ever again. <laughs> like, he's been, he, he was just as good this year as he was last year for a team that's still in the playoffs. And uh, boy, oh boy, did, I think the perception of Vuce has changed quite a bit, basically entirely because Gasol punked his ass for so long in that series. Um, yeah, thanks for pumping your stuff. Go read Vivek's stuff. It's great, always. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated when you go and do that. Uh, what else? Go check out all the other Locked On shows. We have a Locked On MLB season preview running this week where uh, all of the different local hosts are checking in. Paul Sullivan, the host, is, is guiding the show. Scott Cullen, our fantasy host, is in there as well. Yes, there's not a season coming up imminently but it'll usually it'll probably still all hold up anyway all the information so go listen to that if you are dreaming of opening day baseball 10 days from now which is not going to come uh we'll probably re-air those later on once we get closer to whenever the season begins too um and uh yeah that's about it you can uh go read my stuff at raptors.com too it's uh it's up right now my latest piece on sort of appreciating taking a minute to stop the roses as it were uh when it comes to this team because man the coronavirus can take away the stretch run and the playoffs but it certainly cannot take away what a damn thrill ride and joy ride this season was and there was a lot to get really really happy about this year that i think raptors fans uh should appreciate so go read that over at raptors.com as well and that will do it we'll be back again on tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now, go listen to Locked On Blue Jays or Locked On Maple Leafs on your smart device. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.